Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I'm your host for the night, Eric Trickle. Lance Anderson is out hunting some more since he didn't get anything last time he was out. He's going to go try again. So joining me tonight is my good friend Carl Dumbler from over from Building the Broncos. And man, it's great to it's always great when I get to jump on here with you and chat and everything. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. It was uh, it was actually a nice warm day here. I went and did a little sunbathing this afternoon. I I'm realizing I'm losing my tan from living the island life there for six weeks. And uh, I'd rather not lose that sooner than I have to. And uh, so, yeah, I got a little time sunbathing with the dogs and uh, now getting to have this evening with you, man. It's been a good day. (laughs) Yeah, man, I wish I could say the same, but it's been kind of uh, ugly weather the last few days. We had a bad snowstorm yesterday and then it rained and that just made the streets really fun. Had to go out and do some shopping today and. Uh, that that was that was a mess, and but uh, tonight, guys, we're gonna be talking a few different topics. We're gonna be talking about the outlook for the rest of the season, and we're gonna carry that over. And I know this is gonna rub some people's feathers the wrong way, but we're gonna start shifting focus a little bit over to the the draft. I mean, I'm Miley Huddle, senior draft analyst. That's my bread and butter. So we're gonna start shifting that focus over that way on Dove Valley Deep Divers. And then we're going to end it with a little bit of chat about the Cowboys-Broncos game. I'm sure by now that you guys have heard all sorts of takes about it, and we'll just give some of our quick thoughts on it. But before we get to that, we got to go through our normal matters of business. As you guys can see on the bottom of our years underneath us, you guys can see our Twitter handles. Make sure you guys are going and following us. At Eric Trickle for myself, that is a CK and then an EL, not a just a C or a K or L-E. And then at Carl Dumbler MHH for Carl's Twitter account. Make sure you guys are also following at Dove Valley Deep Divers, the you know the the podcast Twitter handle at DVD DVDD underscore pod. Um, that's where you guys can get ac- get access to other stuff. And of course at Mylai Huddle, which is the mother account, the the mothership, if you will, for all the podcasts, all the written content, all the YouTube videos, everything. That's where you guys can go and get that at. And then make sure you guys go visit huddleuppod.com, the merch store. You guys can go get some some awesome hats. I believe that there's a Broncos for Breakfast mug in there. Um, there's, I believe there's uh, baby clothing, all sorts of stuff in there. Uh, shirts, sweaters, all sorts of stuff, whatever you guys like. Um, you guys' support there is, all, is greatly appreciated. Another way you guys can help support us is going to facebook.com slash huddle and become a supporter there. Uh, it's a I believe a little blue button that you guys can go and click on, and for five bucks a month, you guys get access to some extra content, like Chad's show. I'm not sure what the name of it is. Um, re- I believe they're reading a book, right? Uh, it's a book reading one, I believe. You get access to Kelberman's Corner, where you get Zach somewhat uncensored with his takes. 
some of it could be a little bit hot and i mean he, he always likes to bring the spice and of course you guys can follow my own as i almost introduced tonight actually as the trickle zone on mondays at i believe one mountain time when we remember to go live on time um we're still trying to work around the new timing and everything because of some personal issues in my life couldn't do it saturdays anymore so there's some issues there so make sure you guys are doing that and then of course whenever you guys go um, make sure you guys are subscribing i mean this is the easiest way to support the shows like the shows and then share them word of mouth is a huge benefit for spreading the the show around i mean um just a quick personal story is that there's where i live there's a guy who had no idea what what um what my huddle was now he turns it tunes in every so often because my brother actually just spoke about it a little bit so it turns out that the guy who's speaking with his son's actually a big fan already so word of mouth big thing great way to help us if you guys can't do so financially which it's understandable times are tough times are tough for everybody especially with the holidays coming listen up broncos country tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. So anyways, guys, we're going to be jumping into this. As I said, we're going to be talking about the outlook for the rest of the season. So Carl, starting with you, obviously, with the nine games remaining, the back nine, how do you think things will go, especially with moving on from Von Miller? It's Unfortunately, it's not looking good for the Broncos. There's a couple games that I still like their chances of going out there and winning. Uh, the Eagles game, obviously, in week 10, good chance to, to win that one. Not not a great team. You got the Detroit Lions, maybe the worst team in the NFL right now that are sitting there at week 14. The rest of them <laughs> looking a little tough. I mean, the Chiefs might be the next easiest opponent on the schedule. That's how, how crazy it is. I mean, just uh, I, I live in Chiefs Nation or whatever they want to call themselves. And so it's been kind of nice this year where they haven't been able to talk a whole lot of smack towards me because they are just as bad as the Broncos right now. Uh, so maybe the Broncos sneak one from them as well. Chargers, I think the Broncos can line up pretty decently against them and stand a good chance. Uh, and, and maybe they sneak another one. Maybe a team overlooks the Broncos looking ahead to the next week, think, hey, this is kind of our easier game. Maybe, maybe even the Cowboys this week because it's an out-of-conference game, not as important as those in-conference games, obviously, or especially in-division games. Uh, but right now I'm thinking maybe three to four wins tops is what they're looking at for, for moving forward the rest of the schedule. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of there with you. I think that the lions game, I mean, I know any given Sunday, but that's a game that Denver should be able to walk in and win. I mean, Denver, one thing you can say for them is that they have done a good job beating bad teams and the lions just aren't a good team. 
a lot of people like to point to that Ravens Lions game as a how they're better than they are, but the Ravens actually kept that close by dropping would be touchdowns, making shooting themselves in the foot. That kind of a is an issue there as to what to trying to say that the Lions are better than they are. They're really not a good team. Um, I'm with you. I think the Eagles are one that they can they can possibly go in and win. Um, those are the two that I would be most comfortable saying they can. But I, I, I'm also with you. I think that they can possibly sneak one away from Kansas City simply because there's a lot of issues with Patrick Mahomes right now, and he's openly admitted that he struggles with reading defenses, and defensive play callers are using that to their benefit to confuse him. A lot of cover, too, which is giving them so many issues. There was a great article on The Athletic from Ted Wynn about the Chiefs' issues with that, with uh, cover, two and even match quarters. So I... I Denver, I think, has a good chance for them. I mean, that defense is one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, Daniel Sorensen's out there on the field. Just target him, right? I mean, that's been the <laughs> the way to go against the Chiefs for a while. But before we continue on this, I want to say uh, welcome to everybody in the chat. Travis Weber, thank you for joining us, as always. Um, he's saying, draft-wise, beyond quarterback, I think Denver should focus on edge rusher and right tackle. Well, we'll get to the draft uh, talk here in a little bit, but I'm kind of there with you. And uh, right now on milehighhuddle.com, there's actually articles up on both edge rushers and right tackles for me, as well as a couple other positions. If you haven't checked it out, that would be a good good place to, you know, just go give a quick read while you're listening to us and give in some uh, interesting comments there. But also got to say hello to everybody else that's in the chat. We've got Peter Middleton joining us as always. Peter, it's always great to see you in, in here. You are one of the people that really shows that, you know, Broncos country is not a geographical location, but that it's a state of being. We've got David Bingaman in here. We've got uh, Donald Netanyahu. Um, it's great to see you in here as well. Uh, Merlo, Tyler Brooks, seeing you in here. Jeff Noyes. I know we saw Paul in I saw Paul's name in here earlier as well. Paul, it's always great to see you in here. You're always one who's always a joy to chat with on Twitter. Black Knight's in here. Um, hope everything's going well with you and your gaming stuff, Black Knight. I mean, uh, Always hoping for success for other people. Shane Daniels comes in. Um, thank you for the stars from everybody who's also given stars as well. And he says, what in your opinion is one thing that the Broncos can change right now that would make the best impact for the rest of the season? Um, in my opinion, this is one thing that I've talked about privately in the group chat with Carl, Nick, Lance, and uh, and James Campbell. But it seems that the defense that Vic Fangio normally runs isn't exactly what they've been doing a lot this year, which some adjustments, sure, that's great, but they've really gone away from the match quarters that was kind of his bread and butter last year. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that implemented. That's something that really benefits the safeties. Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson both have done a great job at that. And if they're not going to do that, I would like to see them switch what they're doing with the safeties. We're seeing a lot more single high from Kareem Jackson, which isn't his strong suit, than we are with Justin Simmons, with Justin Simmons coming down as kind of that uh, that dime linebacker, that safety in the in the box kind of thing. And that doesn't fit him either. So that's one big change I would like to see is just a little bit of stuff with the coverage. Yeah, something else that I, I kind of, when I was listening to this game last week, uh, I think it was um, Stink was the commentator. And he talked about how one of the things that the Broncos have done this year that he just really, really hates. And, and I agree with it. Some is they've really complicated their run game. And he said the best teams running, they have like three or four concepts that they are just really good at. And they just keep running them over and over again. So everybody gets used to it. Yeah. The other team knows what you're going to do, but when you have the entire offense on the same page, 
it just makes things run so much better for you. And I do think sometimes they are just running a few new, few too many things. I mean, you're seeing Javante Williams take some wrong holes. I think sometimes he looks a little bit lost out there. He's making up for it because he's just so good <laughs> and makes people miss. But that's why you're seeing, I think he has 13% of his carries have gone for zero or negative plays, something like that. And it's like second highest in the NFL. And, and so again, I, Oh, yeah. 25%. Okay. But I know he's second worst in the NFL at that. Yeah. And again, I think that's one thing for especially a rookie. Simplify. You got a lot of rookies playing both on offense, defense, everything. So the more you can simplify things, the I think the better it could be for, for both sides of the ball. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that was one of the few things. I mean, I don't often find myself agreeing with Stink. Um, funny story real quick is he actually once called me out on a radio show a few years back that. <laughs> when Trevor Simeon was the quarterback. So, but uh, there's not many things I agree with him with. I mean, at one point during the game, he was talking about how Kareem Jackson is the best tackle on the team, yet he's consistently one of the ones missing the most tackles, has a high missed tackle percentage. Like he's a good tackler, but he's not one of the best on the team. But that was one aspect I agreed with him as well, is there's just too convoluted in the running game, too many different things you want to do, and it's not helping your blockers up front get settled down with one thing. Um, so that is one thing I'm with you there that I would like to see. Now, going on back to this, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. So you, you said three to four wins, right, for the yep. over the rest of the season. Um, I think two or three. That's That's my max. I'm not sure that they can sneak out one against the – um, Los Angeles Chargers, though they do match up well, especially with the Joe Lombardi and his play calling in Los Angeles with the Chargers. A lot of short stuff, not really maximizing stuff that uh, Justin Herbert can do do well and limiting him quite a bit. So I, that's something they like to play the underneath game, and Denver matches up well against that. That's what they want to do defensively, keep everything short, come up and make the plays, and then really solidify when the field gets shrunk in the red zone. So possibly but i think a max of three wins here that would put denver about eight and nine seven and ten depending on the the range we got which probably lands them somewhere not in the top 10 but probably in that 12 to like 15 16 range which is kind of rough as we transition this over to the draft talk because uh travis weber came in and talked about edges and there are three outstanding edges in this class and, I, and for me, anyways, you have these three, and then there's a pretty significant drop-off. I mean, um, Kayvon Thibodeau from out of Oregon, he's going to be up there for the first pick overall. I mean, he's probably the most talented player in this class. We don't, I don't know if a quarterback will push for that. I don't think a quarterback should, but, hey, it's the NFL. They don't, they don't like to agree with me for some weird reason. And then George Karlaftis and Aiden Hutchinson, you can't go wrong either way with them. Yep. I like them both a lot. I like Aiden Hutchinson now a little bit more for Denver over George Karloftis. And I know that Carl, you and I, we talked about that a little bit privately. It'll help a uh, quicker turnover for Von Miller, but not picking in the top 10 range really puts it at risk of not being able to land one of these top three edge rushers without having to move up before it pass off to you. Got to get the super chat real quick from Cody W. Thank you for the super chat, Cody. We appreciate that. It says play calling could have this time looking different. Um, the play calling this is going to give me a lot of fight because Pat Shermer, his play calls haven't been terrible by any means. There have been some really good designs. There are plenty of issues with him as well. And a lot of it is the timing of the calls and not sticking with certain things that are working. Issues like that, they're, they're very fair in this. The play calling hasn't been terrible, not been great by any means. 
And a lot of issues with it too is that the poor execution, especially up front with the blockers, is making it seem like that the play was a terrible call. Obviously, that final drive against the Washington football team, like everybody deserves all the hate they're getting for that. But outside of that, I mean, it wasn't a bad game. Yeah. And even the the play calls weren't the worst. I wouldn't put that on Shermer. You know, I I think Teddy Bridgewater should have known. If the throw is not open, you just slide to keep the play call going or the, the, the clock going. He made a bad decision there. Running backs fumbling. That's not on a play caller. Like he's calling the play that's you're supposed to be running there <laughs> to, to make sure that they use their timeouts. It just everything fell apart execution wise on the field. And I'm with you. There have been some play designs where guys are wide open, uh, that he has really schemed things well to to attack a, cer- a certain defense and what they're trying to run. I'm, I'm with you also. Just there's times where the the timing of the call of, you know, especially like those second and long plays where he's like, okay, let's run the ball right up the middle. Those drive me crazy because it's just pretty much guaranteed. Okay. Now you've set yourself up for a third and long play. Instead of having two opportunities to go for a first down, you've only got one. That That's one of my biggest issues of everything that he does out there. And then there are those times where, again, like I said, he just makes things a little too complicated and it, it just, he can't get out of his own way sometimes. But yeah. I did want to say uh, thank you for the stars here, Claude Riley, with the uh, the blue and orange hearts. Go Broncos! Really appreciate that. Uh, always good to see. And and yeah, come you know, no matter how the team's doing, that's the one thing we can continue to say: Go Broncos! And of course, we got Cody W coming back in with another super chat. Uh, Cody, you are a superstar. Really appreciate that. If going around twelfth, we definitely need O line. It's it's up there. I, I agree. I mean, and and the nice thing is. I mean, as we're kind of transitioning here into this draft conversation, the the strengths of this draft line up well with the weaknesses of the Broncos, other than quarterback. Okay, let, let's just take quarterback off the table there. But there, <laughs> there's some really, really good offensive tackles in this draft that I, I think a lot of people are going to, the more that they watch them here in college, are going to really like. And really, this, this 2022 class, I think a lot of people are going to like a lot of it. Because last year's draft was one of the weakest. It was one of the shallowest drafts that we've seen in a long time. Partly because, you know, half of college football got canceled. And guys just were not getting the opportunities that they usually have. You had the extra year that they were given. And yes, Peter Milton, I did see that Trevor Simeon will be starting this week for for the Saints. How crazy is that? Um, But again, so that means this 2022 class there's a really good chance this could be a very special class. It's why, again, I really love the the trade that I think is a little bit underrated in uh, trading Vincent for a six-round pick. A six-round pick might be worth about a, a late fourth, early fifth-round pick in this next draft compared to the seventh-round pick where they book, took him. Now, I don't know if this has actually been covered with that Kerry Vincent Jr. trade. Uh, I've seen a lot of hate on that because they drafted him to be part of the future and now they're moving him but the thing is is that they have michael ojimudia coming off of injured reserve or injured reserve they've got a song bossy coming off of the pup list and they like both those guys more Kerry vincent jr was going to get waived and he probably would have just been claimed off of waivers so they get a higher pick from going from a seventh to a sixth and for a guy that they could have potentially lost for nothing so i mean it's a move that 
I get the complaints because, hey, this was a guy that a lot of people liked. He was looking well in the preseason, but he never played in the regular season. And they were about to lose him for nothing. Um, Chill Guy came in with actually a really good comment that I want to grab real quick that says, any good scheme fit O-linemen in the draft? Well, that's the issue with talking about the draft this early. I think that everybody's now expecting that Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, basically a major change on the coaching staff. What scheme are they going to be running on both sides of the ball? We don't know. So we can't really talk about scheme fits at this point. We can just talk about players' strengths and weaknesses. And then after January, when we get a new coaching staff in there, get the idea of what the scheme's coming in, that's when we can really break it down to like, okay, this guy makes more sense than this guy because of the scheme fit here. Right now, it's a little bit difficult to do that. Um, There was one thing that you said about the offensive lineman that I want to go on is like, there are so many options at off on the offensive line, especially at tackle this year. Um, Evan Neal is the top guy for many people. For me, the more I watch him, the more like I don't want to say I fall, I'm falling off of him, but the more concerns I see in his game overall. I really like Charlie Cross, I believe, out of Mississippi State. I always get it confused if he's from Mississippi State or Ole Miss uh, for some reason. And then, um, and then, uh, the Equanu from south north carolina state terrible with schools been trying to get them all down but uh still a little early for me for that so many players that i'm going through but really good uh, tackle class and one thing too with this offensive line the broncos offensive line is that it's just not a tackle where they need help they do need some help on the interior graham glasgow is likely gone dalton reisner will be entering his final year next year Quinn Miners, Natani uh, Moody, will they be able to develop and grow? There's a lot of questions about the depth that we're already seeing. Dalton Reisner's play has been hit or miss this year. So they could be looking on the interior. And one thing that I was talking about with Nick before, and obviously he, he's going to bring it up because of the Iowa connection, but if Denver goes to a outside zone heavy scheme, this Shanahan type system, Tyler Linder, Lindenbaum makes a lot of sense for the Broncos, um, especially early. I mean, like I hate taking the center that early, but Lloyd Cushenberry's just hasn't taken the steps forward you want. He's been okay, but not what you want to see from a third round pick. And so you can look at upgrading there and just continue to build the roster. Um, but I mean, again, as you said, there's plenty of options at multiple places. Travis Weber, depending on who is running things next season as the front, as the trust front office and who are head coaches, do you see Peyton going all in for Rogers or do you see Teddy here another season? Um, Oof! Didn't really want to talk about Aaron Rodgers after with everything that's going on, <laughs> um, but my thinking is is there's been a lot of smoke um, from Benjamin Albright and a few others that have been pointing at possibly like a Dan Quinn hiring, which I know is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. But I don't hate that idea. Simply to go after a Russell Wilson. the The word is, is going around is that Russell Wilson really wants to be reunited with people who are pals of his, like Dan Quinn or um, Daryl Bevel, which I hate that idea a lot more than Dan Quinn. But um, that, that's something there. I think that they will, they will look at the veteran market for trading for a guy. Maybe Matt Ryan's in there. I don't know. But I think that's their plan. And then, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they fall short. A lot of few other teams, the Eagles, are said to be going willing to go all in. They have multiple high first-round picks. A lot of variables in play. But I think that they'll be looking at a veteran quarterback. Yeah, I think this is the Von Miller trade in big part was to try to get some ammunition in case you want to go after a quarterback. 
I mean, it's nice having those two second round picks, two third round picks. You got a few things you can actually do now. Uh, you, you can still have a draft and bring in a quarterback. It, it just sets up nicely. And so uh, I, I, I would guess probably Russell Wilson would be their top choice of the veterans that they're wanting to go after. Probably what or not Watson Wilson, probably then Rogers. And all of this is going to depend on price. George Payton has shown that he's kind of like the Vikings of he wants the deal to favor him. He's not going to make the, the trade unless it favors his side of things. And unfortunately you've got other teams that like to get just pretty darn crazy and are willing to trade just about anything and everything just to make the splash play. And, and so there might be a chance where he misses out. And then that might be where you bring back a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, where he's willing to take less money to stay here with Denver because he likes Denver, likes the players. And then maybe you're looking at the draft and saying, okay, let's take a guy that we absolutely need for an edge or offensive tackle there in that 12 to 16 range. And, and maybe that's also where you look at quarterback. I know that I'm not going to have probably any quarterback rated that high, but as long as they're not like trading up to like a top three pick to take a guy in this draft, I guess I could live with it. Cause you got that fifth year option. You can surround the guy with talent. You know, it's kind of like Mac Jones last year. If you're taking him in the middle of the first round, I can be okay with it because he's a good player. You can do enough to surround him with talent to win. I, I just didn't like him as a, a top 10 pick. Yeah, I, I agree there. I mean, top 15, top 20 for these quarterbacks, like it'll be rough for me. As long as it's not top 10, I can, I can live with it, especially depending on what other moves they make throughout the rest of the draft. Ideally, I mean, they're able to move down. I'm a huge proponent of always trading down, always yeah. like accumulation of draft picks, more darts to throw. I, I'm big believer in that kind of philosophy. But if they're picking 12 to 16, like, okay, depends on what quarterback. There are a couple quarterbacks that I still wouldn't touch there. Um, Sam Howell, no way. Um, basically, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, and um, Carson Strong would be the only three. And with the concerns about Carson Strong with his medicals, I mean, maybe not even there for me, but without having access to that information, it's hard for me to say. Alan, he came in with a $4.99 donation. Thank you, Alan. We appreciate that. He says, any good scenarios where we could beat Dallas? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the whole any given Sunday thing, I mean, it seems unlikely Denver will go and beat Dallas, but any given Sunday, you never know. And we don't know. Dallas could very well be overlooking the Broncos. They've yeah. been playing poorly. They've been losing to good teams, great teams, and they could just overlook that. Like, hey, this is an easy game, and then the Broncos come out and smash them in the mouth. Don't see it happening, but hey, it's a possibility that it can. Yeah. Well, and, and Dak, it sounds like he's going to play, but he's banged up. So maybe something happens there where he's just not playing to quite his full potential of, of what he's been showing this entire year. Maybe catch a couple breaks with some turnovers. You know, that, that's why, again, any given Sunday, because just one play can turn everything. The momentum all of a sudden turns. Broncos score early. And, uh, you know, the town I'm living in, they're in the state playoffs right now. Well, last week I had kids here at my, at my job asking them about the game. And they're like, oh, we stand no chance in this game. This team beat them like 52 to zero earlier in the year. And they're going, yeah, this is the end of our season. And then they won. <laughs> They actually went out there and won. They they started off good. They just had a couple plays that went their way early on, and boom, they started believing, hey, maybe we can win this game. And that, that happens in the NFL. Sometimes you just get hot early and, and things go well. 
But all right, well, we got Naj coming in here with the 1999 super chat. Really appreciate that, Naj. Always good to see you here in the chat. Hey, bros, this is the first game I feel really good about the Broncos. See, there you go. Heavy underdogs, Vaughn traded. Everyone's saying Fangio is gone and season is over. If this doesn't galvanize this young team, nothing will. I think it will. Yeah, I like we said, and, and maybe that is where Vaughn being gone, everybody looked to him. Maybe some of the younger guys say, okay, this is my opportunity to step up and, and be the man to, you know, Justin Simmons. Maybe he becomes a bigger voice in the locker room. Cortland Sutton, some of those guys. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater gets a, a bigger voice or something. You know, th sometimes this is what takes it takes it to another level for a team. The Raiders, how much have they overcome this year? And, <laughs> and they keep finding ways to win games and play well as a team. So sometimes it is those kind of things that make a team go, okay, now it's on us. We're all in this together. Yeah, and one thing with this team is that they've known their issues. They've done a good job, the players have, of speaking about all the issues they have and wanting to go out there and fix it. So they still have that desire to go and improve and do better, which, of course, you, you want to see that in all players. The issue is that they haven't gone out there and executed, and that's what's got to change. If they can go out there, execute, and do their jobs, this team would look quite a bit better than they are. But they did, we just haven't seen that yet. Maybe this, maybe trading Von Miller was that thing of like, oh crap, like we really got to go and turn this around. We've got to make up for the loss of Von. Like maybe that is that spark that this team needed to put it all together. Maybe it happens. We'll find out here in a couple of days. Um, but Naj, I mean, I love the positivity there, man. Like, it's great to see, especially with how much negativity there is in Broncos country anymore about yeah. so many different things. It's great to see the positivity there. Cody W comes in with a $5 donation, says, what about getting another guy like KJ Hamler in the draft? Another guy with his speed would be nice. Hamler comes back, but is he going to be the same guy? That's actually a good question. And there's actually some concerns about the full extent of his knee injury because I know there was the, the tear there, but there's been a lot of comments about how there was a lot more damage done that he might not be back until mid late next season and so there's a lot of questions about it and this offense is very clearly missing that speed to help open things up so it's definitely an option i haven't done a lot of work on red wide receivers in this class so i don't know options there i don't think they'd go super early for one but i mean this class has to have some good options to help bring that speed that they need right well and you think there's a good chance they're probably only keeping one of Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick in the offseason. I mean, maybe there's a chance they bring them both back, but so that leaves a wide receiver spot open. KJ Hamler, like I said, is he going to be the same guy even if he does come back? And and he's been banged up a lot. Like he's you always kind of got to know he's probably going to miss two or three games a year at least just because of his body type. And I mean, th those speed guys, it doesn't take much to tweak uh, a hamstring or something like that. They are just so so tightly wound uh, in the sense of everything just is built perfect to maximize that speed. And when you don't have that, it, it makes you fall off a cliff. I mean, that, that's why you see cornerbacks fall off a cliff, speed wide receivers fall off a cliff. Like th there's certain positions that you just know they're going to just fall off a cliff real quick for you. And uh, so I really wouldn't mind them using a mid round pick on a wide receiver. To, to really maximize and spread out that offense, especially if you get a, a quarterback that can take advantage of it and make defenses have to respect it. I mean, that, that's a big part of what's really helped the, the Raiders offense take off this year. And I know we don't really want to talk too much about that guy, but 
he will be a huge piece missing for them moving forward because uh, if we're just talking offensive output and what he could do, teams had respect him over the top. I mean, I think he's had every one of his touchdowns in the NFL have been like over like 30 yards or something like that, 40 yards. I think, or maybe 25. I can't remember, but I mean, it's, it's not like they're red zone touchdowns every single time because teams have to respect that deep uh, ability. And uh, yeah, the Broncos are missing that. And so teams are able to creep up a little bit more, a little bit more each time. So going back to the draft and everything, I mean, obviously the Bob Miller deal, deal, getting those two extra top 100 picks um, based on the Broncos roster now and future uh, upcoming free free agents that they have, what positions outside? I know we talked about edge and offensive tackle. What other positions do you think would be high up priority list for the Broncos? Well, linebackers got to be up there. I mean, Jewel and uh, Johnson are both free agents after this year. So, and they're both coming off of injury. Do you really want to resign either of those guys? Sternod, he's been pretty bad this year. He's not what you quite hoped for in the draft. And obviously losing the, the green dot to a rookie, not a great sign. Uh, I know part of that's just, he's just not a great communicator, but it still kind of shows the lack of, of leadership that he's going to bring to the team. And Baron Browning, I mean, he, he looked, he made some great plays. He was still a step late on some things, but obviously you see the athleticism. So you see the potential, but it's still a position that needs more of an influx of talent. And a lot of those second, third round guys, a lot of times you see those guys really show well, both in special teams and on the field. So I could see that being a position they look at. Uh, cornerback, Callahan gone, Fuller gone. So now you're kind of stuck with Darby and, and Sertan, which, I mean, both those guys are good. And then you got some other young guys that you you kind of like and have some potential. But I can see cornerback, another group that, you, I mean, obviously we know Peyton is coming from a place that loves cornerbacks and loves taking them higher. And it doesn't matter if you need a cornerback, I'm going to take a cornerback. So I could see that being another position that they really look hard at. And interior offensive line, you already kind of hit on it earlier with, the guys haven't played up to the potential and a couple of them could be gone after the season. Cushenberry just is not a great fit for what you're trying to do. And like I said, didn't take as big of a step as you needed him to this off season. He's been a huge detriment to the, the run game taken off where other guys actually get pushed on some plays. And all of a sudden Cushenberry is getting pushed back and it just blows up the entire play. That's the whole point of the offensive line where one weak spot can destroy a good offensive line. And so, yeah, all those positions I could see as, as targets, tight end even. Noah Fant hasn't played up to, to his first-round potential. Albert O has been has been good in the, in the times that he's got to play, but he's had two injuries now in two seasons. So can you really trust him to be your tight end one? Uh, like Peter Milton saying here, so Albert O is the tight end one now until after the break. I think he's going to keep it over Fant for a while. Hope Fant gets the mental break to support him and that the team will be patient with him. Um, yeah, I, I'm not giving up on Fant. And I think, like I said, Alberto has actually surprised me. I was really mad about that pick when they took him. <laughs> I, I think I, we were all on the show and I think all of us were going, what are you doing, Denver? Like, this is just not, this is a, a Drew Locke pick kind of thing. Um, if Drew Locke's not here, you don't have Alberto on this team. Uh, but, but he has, he's surprised me. He's done a few more things than what he showed in college and Fant. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of 
I, and I've been on it as well, of hounding on him. He's had a tough year off the field. I don't think a lot of people realize some of the things that have gone on for him. You know, all these guys, they are they are humans. We have to remember, they have lives outside of football, and there are things that affect their game outside of just their their physical ability. Yeah, definitely. And going over that with the linebackers, Cody W came with two donations, says bring back one of the two of Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewel and see how Kenny how Kenny Young plays. Well, Kenny Young's also a free agent after this year. So if they don't want to have linebacker be a big need, then you're probably looking at bringing back two of, of the three there. And with Baron Browning, I think that I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, there were some issues there, but that was to be expected. This is a guy who came into a starting job basically after playing a total of 49 snaps over the first few weeks missed so much time because a another player hit his leg caused a fracture in his leg during the rookie mini camp caused him to miss a lot of the training camp and then he had a concussion that missed some time there so we didn't get to really see much of him anything he's late um getting out there on the field and practicing and he here he is he comes out there and he played good football i mean his athleticism really helped cover up some of the, his issues with reading plays as they were developing. Um, he's just so, such such an athletic freak that I was able to cover up some of the issues there. But linebacker, I mean, it's one of those positions that they've got to help find an answer for. And this is one that, depending on how what scheme they go to, what coach they bring in, that can really fluctuate the priority of being a linebacker. It could be another coach who doesn't have a high priority for linebackers like Vic Fangio, or it could be one who has a high priority for a linebacker. That right there is, is such a... Uh, big factor into all of this as well when it comes to that position and then cornerback i mean being able to go out and possibly find somebody to pair and make a long-term duo with patrick sertan that's definitely on the table with george payton's love for corners interior offensive line i mean i I like to pride myself on the work that i do on the offensive line and watching this unit just consistently struggle and being pretty consistent from the points of where they're struggling at is hard to watch and it I end up feeling bad a little bit because it's the same few players consistently. And I don't like to, as much as people will disagree with this, I don't like to harp on a single player for um, for so many mistakes. And it's the same thing with Noah Fant. And going on to him, I mean, you hit it. Again, I hit the nail on the head with it. He's dealing with a lot emotionally. I mean, losing his mother just before the start of the season, multiple other issues that are going on. Like, there's definitely got to be something there eating away at him that's carrying over onto the field and hopefully he can turn it around because he's got tremendous potential to be a great tight end in the NFL despite his issues and his issues are mostly as a blocker and after the catch he is still producing quite well for the Broncos offense I think that's one thing that often goes um, unnoticed is the receptions are there the yards are there it's just not much fight after the catch, not much fight as a blocker. And that's where the thing's got to change with him. And Albert Oakway, but I mean, I was there with you. I wasn't a big fan of him, but he's really proven me wrong. And um, I mean, he's done better than I thought he would. And so I've already eaten the crow on that one. <laughs> um, now, uh, there was one position that actually was there on, on top of my head that I uh, thought of, but I forgot about at the moment. Um can't remember what, what think, it was. What do you think about the interior defensive line moving forward? That's that's what it was. Um, it's definitely a position that they got to target, and it's one of those that really will depend on what scheme they're going to as to who. Because right now, Shelby Harris, 
okay, I know he's got those couple blocked um, field goals. I know he's got a couple sacks here now. But for the majority of the season up until the Browns game, he hasn't wasn't playing well. Um, he had only like two or three really notable plays leading up into that Browns game. And since then, it's changed a little bit, but he still hasn't been great by any means. Draymond Jones, dude causes so much chaos for opposing offensive lines, even though it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. Gets him a little bit more hate than he deserves. Mike Purcell, he hasn't been good. Shamar Stevens been all right. McDelvin Ajim, we've barely seen. So they definitely, I mean, this is a position that takes a little while for them to really get going. So, I mean, it's a good point this year, I think, to invest into another guy on there to try and work with develop the type of defensive lineman obviously depends but i mean going from jones and ajim to him like marquis spencer's on there from this last draft i mean just keep getting those guys keep developing seeing what you can hit because defensive line's a position that you rotate so much anyways yep. that you want to keep sitting there having guys in that you're working on developing and keep that rotation going and that rotation strong Right. Well, and it's also a position that takes a while to develop itself. I mean, even the top guys, the the top 10 pick guys rarely show up as rookies. Everybody's kind of usually after the rookie season going, oh, my gosh, this guy's a bust. And then a couple of years later going, oh, well, OK, they're actually starting to show pretty well. Uh, and, and so I always kind of look at that position as one. Really, you cannot judge it till about year two or three. Some positions you're going to see it a lot earlier running back. Usually wide receiver, you can see it pretty early. They might have some drop issues early on, but you can usually tell, are they going to be a player or not? And uh, so, yeah, like I said, each position, you got to look at it a little bit different depending on where they're taken. But we got Dennis Woods coming in here with a $5 super chat. Says, is there another interior position Cushenberry can play if we decide to go after Linderbaum? DB for life. Um, I don't think so. He's one that watching him play at LSU – watching his issues, especially his issues dealing with strength. I think that he's just best suited at center. It really limits the exposure to one-on-ones. And when he does get exposed to a one-on-one situation um, from there, I mean, that's when he looks the worst. Um, Maybe you can get by with him at guard in an outside zone scheme, but it's not ideal, I don't think. So it would be a situation of, all right, we're going to use Cushenberry as our backup center going forward. And we're going to have Linderbaum as the, the top guy here. So I, I, it's one that I just don't think that Cushenberry has it. Right. I, I'm with you. I, he'd be more exposed in the run game, especially if he moved over to guard. And I, I had high potential or high hopes for, for Cushenberry. And I still think maybe in a pass heavy offense, I think he could probably still do okay and, and at least be an average starter in the NFL. It's his run blocking. It shows up in his pass blocking too at times, but I think he's a little bit further in his pass blocking than he is in his run blocking. Yeah, and Cody W came in with a $2 donation saying, need a running back, probably let go of Gordon, go keep Williams. I mean, Williams, we've still got three years of him after this year. Gordon's a free agent after this. I don't think that they'll probably bring um, uh, bring him back. So, I mean, it's one where maybe they're looking at Mike Boone having an increased role. Maybe they're looking at a couple other people. Um, draft is always an option. Go get a guy late. Uh, go get another cheap veteran. I mean, plenty of options for running back. It's just a position that's just so constantly infused with players that you just shouldn't spend big on it. And that was my issue with the Gordon signing. But, hey, the pass is the pass there. 
Um, Scott Kennedy actually came up and made a good point too about how Quinn Miners was brought in to push Gushenberry, but he wasn't ready for center. And that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's something that I spoke on so often during the um, off season that Quinn Miners was brought in to push him. And he very clearly, once preseason games started, it, very clearly Quinn Miners was not ready for it. Um, and that's definitely an option. I mean, going forward, I don't think they don't have to go with uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Um, or go get a center because they can fall back onto Quinn Miners. Um, and I like what Quinn Miners showed at guard. I think yeah. he looked far more comfortable there. I that doesn't mean I wouldn't try and see if he can still grow at center. But I like the fact that you can still sit there and try to keep him at working at center, but you actually have guard that you can fall back on. Right. Well, and, and I would also add some of it depends on what you do with quarterback. So if you go a rookie quarterback, I really don't want a guy his first time really starting at center to be the guy that's snapping him the ball. That's having to figure out all of the protection coverages and uh, you know, all those kind of things. I, I really like young quarterback paired with a veteran center or a young center paired with a veteran quarterback. Like I, I think you need one of them to be a veteran and one of them to be young, or you could have both be veterans. I'm not trying to say you can't have both be veterans, but I, I just don't think you can have both be young. And, and so where Miners plays really depends on the quarterback situation for me. Oh, I think you're, you're muted. Thank you. I forgot yep. I muted real quick. <laughs> um, for uh, forgot to mention this a little bit earlier. So, but with us about having a, just over 15 minutes left, just a quick reminder for you guys to go get your stars in and your super chats in because. We are doing another giveaway this month. This time is you guys get to choose what player's jersey you want if you win. Um, top five on YouTube. I mean, so su uh, superstars or super chats on YouTube, stars on Facebook. You get your chance to enter. The more you put in, the more chances you get to win. And congratulations to Travis Weber for winning the Pat Sertan jersey. Man, awesome for you, man. It's always great to see you in the chat. Don't see eye to eye on everything, but you always bring a lot of good stuff to the conversation. So, again, congratulations on that, Trevor um have had a bunch of comments about going and getting a real middle linebacker and i think that there, there, there's always comments about from broncos fans about the al wilson type well the al wilson types are kind of dead in the nfl i mean it's just a game that's gotten so more athletic and pass happy that you can't really f survive well enough with those types but Denver does. I mean, it's we talked about already. It's, it's a position that they do need to go and upgrade a little bit. It's an issue that they've had so many injuries, losing Alexander Johnson, losing Joseph Jewell. Like, it's been very problematic for this defense. The Browns, I mean, they thrive just living it through the middle of that Broncos defense without those guys. So getting another linebacker, I mean, that's something that's way up there. I mean, there's not a tremendous amount of talent in this linebacker class from my early looks at it, but there are some. There's a couple guys from Georgia that I really like. There's a Penn State linebacker, Brandon Smith, I believe, um, that I really like as well. A couple Alabama guys, and there's a Utah Ute there as well. Um, there's probably about seven, I think, linebackers I like before day three. Um, so, I mean, Denver, they have options with those two, uh, two seconds and two thirds to go and get some additional help for Baron Browning. And part of this, too, that has to factor in is, as I said, scheme and new coach but also where does this new staff what do they think about baron browning and what do they think that what role on the at the linebacker position does do they think that he fits best 
Yeah, I, I think something to kind of keep in mind with the linebacker position, college football right now, a lot of the the top linebackers are under like 225 for weight. Like that's how the college game is going. And so then that means that spills over into the NFL as it moves forward. You're just seeing a lot more of the the smaller, faster coverage guys that you hope can hold up in the run game that can at least be average in the run game and, and help in the past game. It's just the whole way it's going. And so that you, like you said, the Al Wilson's of the NFL that just command the middle of the field and just are coming downhill, making plays. And, you know, Alexander Johnson kind of reminds me a little bit of that, of, of coming downhill, helping in the blitz. Like that, that's another area that's really been hurt by his presence being gone. He was the best blitzing linebacker the Broncos had. Now, Kenny Young actually is pretty good in that, that role. And uh, I, I think I think he has the highest uh, pass rush win pr- percentage on the Broncos right now. Now, given it's been like six snaps, <laughs> so it's not not anything to read into too much. But I think he can do at least a little bit of what Alexander Johnson did. But and, you didn't always like having Alexander Johnson dropping back because he's going backwards. It's it's bad for the Broncos. And that's the thing with Alexander Johnson is that's where that's where him being out there on the field hurt the Broncos. He had that great game against the New York Jets um, in coverage there as well, but he's so inconsistent and how Denver uses him has to be so specific in coverage because he's just a liability. He's not the smoothest of movers. So downhill, it works fine. I mean, that's where the Al Wilson types, you can use them downhill all you want. It's just, they got to be able to hold up in coverage and Justin Simmons, that's his issues this year. That's the improvements. Um, Travis Weber came in and said DJ Williams was decent too. DJ Williams was actually pretty good in coverage. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't his best area, but he wasn't bad there. I mean, he wasn't a liability, and he was great working sideline to sideline as well. I mean, he, he was a very underrated linebacker in my opinion. But, I mean, again, you got to go and um, just be able to get more out of coverages from it as teams. I mean, you don't want to let teams to thrive in the middle of your defense like the Broncos did with the Browns. So let me let me ask you a question. Broncos can only bring back one of Jewel or Johnson. Who are you bringing back? Josie Jewel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I, I, I know this gets a lot of flack all the time. Every time I say it, Josie Jewel's the better linebacker. I mean, he's not as good as a run defender as Alexander Johnson is, but he's not much worse. He's actually the better blitzer when you look at the advanced analytics, when you look at the the run rates, win rates and pressure rates and all that. Jules actually has the advantage there. And he's much better in coverage. And that's yeah. the big factor for me is just how much better he and, is in coverage. Far more instinctive, just so much improvements there um, from Zo- Josie Jewel over the years. I mean, instincts that can carry so much weight for a linebacker in coverage and uh, – so yeah, I'll, Josie Jewell's the guy I would go. Yeah, well, and and also add in, I mean, he was the guy with the green dot. Yeah, he was commanding the middle of the field there for the Broncos, and that that is a, a huge advantage to have, and that's something that they just haven't they haven't found a guy to communicate like he did there in the middle since he went down. Johnson was was decent at it, but especially once Johnson went down, you just saw this of guys looking confused, guys looking lost on the field, and and just being late where they're trying to get. And that's why you saw, especially in that Browns game, the linebackers were just going crazy, going overreaching on the play. And then that backside was open every single time because they're trying to figure things out. And then when they figure things out, they just take off in a, yeah, as fast as they can, trying to get to the hole, forgetting to stay disciplined in what they're doing in their, their pass rushing lanes or 
run blitzing lanes or whatever you want to call it. Um, they, they just didn't do well with that. They did better this last week. So hopefully they'll get better as the season wears on. And, um, but it, it's still, I think you're really missing that with Josie Jewell. Um, Peter Milton says, should DJ Williams start from now on cheaper than Purcell and playing better? Um, I think I'm pretty sure you mean Deshaun Williams. Um, and I actually went and talked about how, uh, Deshaun, they should look at making that switch because Mike Purcell, he, he, he is one who does a lot better when Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell are behind him because he can be far more aggressive. He doesn't have to eat the space and eat up blocks to, um, help out the linebackers. He could just attack because Jewel and Johnson can do such a good job as to getting by the blockers and sidestepping them or going through them to get to it. Deshaun Williams is a little bit better eating the blocks and um, eating up space. And so, yeah, I think that Deshaun Williams should be. I mean, he's a bigger benefit to the linebackers behind him. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree completely with that. And uh, so, yeah, moving forward, we'll have to see. So much depends on the new coaching staff of who fits well, who doesn't fit well. Uh, that's always the problem when you make this change is players that were maybe great players in the old scheme, maybe not as great a fit in the new scheme. And so it's hard to really speculate what this team's going to be in 2022 until we get that idea of the coaching staff. But we have Ship Jumper coming in here with a $5 super chat. Really appreciate that. Says, why are folks asking for Drew Locke over Bridgewater? When Locke proved last year in 13 games, he was only worth four and nine. And Teddy already has four wins midseason. Well, I think part of it is people would argue Locke could have won those four games. And I'm not completely disagreeing with that by any means. I, I think some of those games for sure, they were worse teams than the Broncos. Um, and maybe Locke sneaks one maybe against the Browns where Teddy struggled in that one because he wasn't 100%, you know, th those kind of things. Uh, I think people are still just – they're hung up on the the unknown. Locke is is more unknown than Bridgewater. They they like the big arm. They like the swag. They like the, the big plays that happen every once in a while, you know, all those kind of things. And and so they're, they're still clamming for some of that. And when the offense is not doing great this year – I mean, it's doing a little bit better than what they did last year in a lot of areas. But at the same time, it's still not great. And so a lot of people, I think, are kind of at that point of going, well, why don't we just put Locke out there? The season's kind of lost. Might as well just see, make sure, just make it completely clear, this guy is not your future. And I don't completely disagree with that at some point here. I don't think the Broncos are completely out of it yet. I mean, at four and four, they're in the hunt. They're only, I think, a half game out of the playoffs right now. And so I don't think you completely throw the season away yet. You know, you, you sneak one against Dallas. Well, then you're starting to feel pretty good because you got Philly the next week. And then all of a sudden you're sitting at six and four. Uh, I think this will be a big week for the Broncos. If they can find a way to beat the Cowboys on the road, then all of a sudden it really changes the whole dynamic of what the season's looking like. And, but right now, yeah, I mean, until the Broncos are out of it, I don't think you're going to see Drew Locke. Yeah, Travis Weber came in with the season Shelby Harris has had. Do we see him gone next season? Uh, no, he's still under contract. He signed that three-year, $30 million deal. Um, we'll see him through next year at the very least. After that, maybe Denver decides to move on. But with that contract, I'm pretty sure it's not super hard to move on from him, but I don't think it's super easy either. 
Um, depends on how much that money they want to eat, of course. I mean, it could be a situation where they just feel the new coaching staff feels, hey, it's worth it. But uh, we'll definitely um, see uh, about that going forward. Uh, just a quick reminder, you guys, before we jump out of here, we're going to be switching over to the Denver game or to the Dallas Broncos game. Um, so any any comments, any questions, make sure you guys get them in with your, your Super Chats and your stars um, to help you guys enter that chance to win that player jersey of your choosing. Now, with this Dallas game, um, obviously that uh, both of us have our doubts. I think we both picked uh, Denver to lose. Um, now, what's the besides the quarterback position? What's your biggest concern with the Cowboys going up against this uh, on offense, going against this Denver defense? Well, I mean, Dallas has so many playmakers, and right now the Broncos. Losing Callahan, that that's a that's a bigger blow than people realize. He was playing pretty outstanding football this year. Uh, I think because he's, his name's never called, a lot of people are like, "Well, he's not even doing anything on the field." No, that means he's doing his job. <laughs> they're not targeting him. They're going after Fuller. They're going after Sertan. They're going after the safeties. They're going after the linebackers. They're not going after Callahan. And uh, so I think that'll be a, a tough blow for them because the Cowboys can really mix and match their weapons and they can have been the slot and losing Callahan out of the slot. That's going to hurt. Um, so that, that, that part worries me of uh, just how they can really match up against the Broncos that way. And then defensively, I mean, obviously they're, they're playing above what anybody thought their talent would be this year. And they have the ability to really get after the quarterback and right now, obviously, the Broncos' offensive line has just not been great, and you lose Garrett Bowles for this game. And Massey, uh, <laughs> good luck out there as well. So there's just there's a lot of things that could go wrong with them getting after Teddy Bridgewater. If the offensive line can hold up, if they can actually play their best game of the season, I think the Broncos can can do a little bit of damage, can make the – the, the Cowboys sweat it out a little bit. And like I said, if you can get actually playing with the lead early in the game, then, you know, all cards are off the table at that point. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one thing is speaking specifically with that defense and their pass coverage. I mean, Micah Parsons has been huge for their pass rush up front. Um, his play as a blitzer, his play downhill when he's in the box has been tremendous. But when he's working in coverage, there is a little bit of a weakness there that maybe the Broncos can find ways to exploit. Um, you just got to try to stay away from, you know, Trevon Diggs. Um, going over to the offense side of it, talking about the loss of Bryce Callahan, and obviously that's a loss. I mean, he was the best corner for the Broncos this year up until the point he got hurt. Um, Patrick Stan not so, super far behind. I mean, Patrick Stan yeah. hasn't been bad by any means. Um, but I think that losing him, I'm going to be interested to see what they do going forward to try to replace him. Obviously they talked about um, Kyle Fuller there, Nate Hairston. Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them using that injury as a way to try to be a little bit more confusing with their coverages for opposing quarterbacks. But the issue with that is you don't want to try to be too confusing to where you end up confusing your own players and what they're doing. Cause that leads to broken coverages. So that's something that I'm with you there. That's the one area that I think that, uh, is the concern for this defense is they just have so many potential playmakers, um, so many weapons for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's back. I still think they would win with Cooper Rush. I just feel it would be feel a little bit better about Denver's chances. Right. But it's definitely a concern that they match up 
they they're able to attack where the Broncos are weak at um, just so well. And it's one that they've got to win in the trenches on both sides of the ball. If Denver really wants a chance to come away with this one, um, Travis Weber says, will we see Sertan mainly covering lamb? Um, I don't think so. Cause I believe that the Broncos corners, they're pretty much their side. They don't, uh, they don't follow. So the receivers, I'm pretty sure on that. I'm 90% yeah. sure on that. Anyways, every once in a while, they will do a little bit of matchup stuff, but for the most part, they do like to leave their guys on their sides. Uh, Darby on the offense's left fuller on the offensive or offensive, right. Or Patrick Sertan on the right, depending on which one's starting. Uh, it'll be Sertan, but when they go to three cornerbacks, I know they talked about Sertan moving to, to that slot position. I, I'm a little bit against that. I, I'd rather see Sertan on the outside, obviously because of his size and ability to really muscle up and, use the sideline to his advantage. And I, I like Darby in the slot some. He did a little bit of that with Washington, and I thought he held more than his own when he went into the slot. And so I think he could do a little bit better if the Broncos ask him to do that, but it doesn't sound like that's what they want to do. So it'll be interesting to see how they play when they go to a three-cornerback set of who who's on the inside, who's on the outside. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I mean, and looking at C.D. Lamb, he seems to be – not super even, but he, they definitely like to move the receivers around. He's got played 200 snaps on one side of the formation and then 150 snaps on the other side from side of the formation as the boundary wide receiver. A little bit working in the slot as well. Um, Dallas's offense, Kellen Moore, he just does a good job to try to find the best matchup for his receivers that make that they can win. And so they're just going to move them around until they find those advantages and they're able to exploit them. Before we get out of here, Cody W with a two dollar donation says, "Do you feel Teddy is one hundred percent though? Um, not against the Browns. Now I still don't think he's a hundred percent, but I don't think he's far from it. Um, and I know this is going to get a lot of flack, but the Broncos' decision with the quarterback position with that Browns game clearly shows what they think of Drew Locke, and the whole thing of it being even Steven, like that's clear that that was BS." Yeah, it, it was because if it was even Steven, Drew Locke would have played that game. And right. I think he should have. I don't think that that was a game where you should have trotted out uh, Teddy Bridgewater. But hey, alas, that's what they did. So that speaks uh, speaks loudly. Anyways, yeah. Chip Jumper came with another five dollar donation says if the Broncos pass rush can contain Prescott and the secondary can cover the Broncos can win. The Cowboys defense isn't that great. Um, the funny thing about the Cowboys defense is that Trevon Diggs is the league leader in interceptions, but he's also the league leader in yards allowed. He's such a boomer bust corner, but he's got those interceptions, which just makes it like, all right, you don't really want to try to uh, um, attack him and everything. And I think with Teddy Bridgewater, with the questions about his arm, that's not something that you want to do. Um, the Dallas defense, I mean, where they're best at is actually, or worse at, actually is a little bit beneficial for the Broncos because they do struggle a little bit with that shorter passing game and they do well for the most part, taking away the deeper stuff. Um, at least in the little bit I've watched them, I haven't been able to do tremendous breakdowns because NFL game pass is absolute garbage right now. Um, yeah, don't get but started. anyways is, uh, <laughs> so it's a possibility that we could see that would like to see Teddy Bridgewater be more aggressive than he was against the Washington football team. He started to be a little bit more aggressive there towards the end, but that second half, that start of it, I mean, it just was not not pretty. Just going away early from his reads downfield to taking the check down, which, hey, if you go through your reads and you take the check down, no issue there. 
it's the issue becomes is when you're not making those those deeper reads and you're just going to it. Um, sometimes pressure did play a little bit of a factor into that, but not consistently enough to be like, okay, yeah, that was the issue. Um, that was the first game. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with this as well, but that was the first game that that was really the case with Teddy Bridgewater. So, I mean, maybe this uh, this short passing game is a uh, can be decent against the Cowboys defense. Yeah, and and I'd say the Cowboys defense is underrated. Like they don't have a lot of big names throughout their defense. They got a couple big names, obviously um, taking Parsons in the draft and, and Trayvon Diggs, like I said, leading the league in interceptions, but they're kind of as a unit, they do well playing together and their coaching staff has done well of maximizing the talent there. But we got Mr. Stu meat coming in here right at the end saying, how's it? Hey, Stu meat. It's great to see you in here. It's been a while since we've seen you on Dove Valley deep divers, man. Always great to see you guys. Uh, see returning faces especially when it's been a while travis weber comes in and says denver will get to see what kind of coach kellen moore will be as a hopeful head coach candidate crossing fingers um everything seems to be that basically jerry jones is going to give him a head coach type contract to take over for mike mccarthy probably after next year um so some to be uh be watch out for i would love kellen moore as a coach i just don't see jerry jones being willing to let him go yeah, and unfortunately, he has enough money that he can just throw it at him and say, here, stay here. We will pay you as much as you possibly want to stay here. And uh, and and also, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind, this is where the quarterback situation in Denver just hurts them so bad. I think it hurts them more than the ownership situation with getting a head coach. When co- coaching candidates are looking at the Broncos, they're saying, what do you got? Like, there's nothing here. What are you going to do for me to make sure that I have a quarterback that can actually give me a chance to succeed? Because especially in the AFC West, when you got three great quarterbacks on the other teams that are probably all playing all at top 10 levels this year. Uh, well, maybe not Mahomes. <laughs> the one that surprises me that that should be playing at a top 10 level. Um, but yeah, so it, with that missing, Kellen Moore might be like, I got Dak Prescott here. I got a bad division that I'm playing against. I've got some really good opportunities. And so I, I wouldn't blame him for staying, but Hey, maybe he really does want that opportunity to lead right now. Doesn't want to wait and maybe considers the Broncos. So fingers crossed. Cause I do like him. I like what he does on offense, especially he does well to set up his quarterback and to use his weapons. Well, but, uh, but we'll just have to see on that in the future. We got Joe, Joe Spath coming in here with some stars. Really appreciate that. And Nathan Tala as well, coming in here with some stars. Everybody, you guys have just been the best tonight and just really appreciate all the support and questions. I mean, this has been a great conversation and really on on point with pretty much everything of what we wanted to talk about here tonight. And yeah. uh, so it's just been really cool to see that. So, again, appreciate all of you guys being a part of that. And Eric, always appreciate getting to, to have this chance to talk with you, man. Hey, Michael Ronquello joining in late with some stars. Thank you, Michael. It's always great to see you in here. Um, hey, hey. Don't, I don't think I saw you earlier, but hey, at least you showed up here at the end. And as, of course, you can always go back and watch it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spreaker. We're on Spotify. All sorts of different platforms that you guys can go back and listen to, as well as just watching the live show back on YouTube. Anyways, guys, before we get out of here, make sure you are following myself and Carl on Twitter, at Eric Trickle, at Carl Dummler, MHH. This is, of, of course, the Dove Valley Deep Divers, and you can follow the Dove Valley Deep Divers Twitter account at DVDD underscore pod. And make sure you guys are following the Mile High Huddle 
mother account at mile high huddle that's where you get access to all of the podcasts you get access to all of our written content all of our youtube videos everything as well and of course youtube.com slash mile high huddle to go and subscribe there for all the youtube content from there um make sure you guys if you can go check out the merch the merch store at huddle or huddle at pod.com all sorts of stuff shirts hats um cups all sorts of mile huddle gear i believe the bumper stickers are on there which if you guys were at the meet and greet you guys got to have that you can actually see it a little bit over the back of my head um the mile huddle bumper sticker there um bunch of great stuff you guys are able to if you guys uh also facebook.com slash huddle and click the little blue button to become a supporter you get access to chad show kelberman's corner for some of his spicy takes and the trickle zone that's on mondays at at one o'clock mountain time um lately talking about just breaking down the game so make sure you guys are doing that and if you guys can't support the show financially which hey i understand tough times are tough i mean with everything going on in the world and especially with the holidays coming in can't always uh you know support financially which hey christmas time great get great time to give up some mile idol swag as uh christmas gifts too but uh, you guys can subscribe like and share um sharing is one of the best ways to uh, by word of mouth through twitter whatever the case may be it's always one of the best ways to help grow this show thank you guys for joining us tonight i mean it's been a wonderful as carl said it's been a great chat i mean been flowing not as toxic which i know i didn't did a good job of not contributing to that as well but always great to chat with you, Carl. Any, do you have any last words before we get out of here? No, just uh, excited for the game. And, you know, maybe the Broncos go out there and surprise the world and have everybody going, what in the world? Who are Who is this team? And, and maybe it's just the young talent finally starting to come together and, and figure some things out. And, and like I said, after that, you got the Eagles, get a chance to get back on track. Maybe then you get back Bradley Chubb after the bye week. And get a little bit of a pass rush going the season's not completely lost yet everyone so let, let, let's uh let's hold our horses pun intended and and just kind of see what happens with the rest of the season but uh enjoy the weekend everyone and thank you for joining us on this friday night yeah maybe the you know maybe the horses can buck the riders a little bit this week and uh, shock the world as you said and can you imagine how Bronco, broncos country will be if the broncos managed to do that it would be insane but anyway guys Thank you guys for joining us. I'll be back next week. Maybe Lance will be back. I'm not sure at this time. You guys can catch, I believe, Nick and Luke tomorrow for the Mile High Insiders, as well as Chad's Facebook um, exclusive show as well tomorrow, I believe, at Noon Mountain. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, We'll see you guys, as I said, next week. Same time, same Mile High Huddle Network. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.